Hello everyone, and thank you so much for joining us in the road to a more genuine Judaism. In this, as in all the episodes, the hope is to see the way Jewish traditions evolved throughout history, as far back as we know of, and to hopefully find ways to connect to them on a deeper level. We will view the way these traditions were cherished and observed by prophets, sages, and philosophers, and try to tie in advice for the modern Jew. For more information on any and all the podcast episodes, please visit the website at genuinejudaism.org. Over there you can find the episode summary, transcript, and more information on the topics discussed. Thanks for pressing play, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey everyone, uh, again I want to start out by uh, making the disclaimer that I do not live in a, I do not record in a professional recording studio, I live in a building and you might hear some noises now and then and I will try my best to reduce those noises in post. So today we're going to be talking about, yes we, not just me and my voice that you'll have to suffer through, but um, I have a, a wonderful co-host here. Uh, my name is David Chai Abram Chayv, for those who don't know. And my co-host is David Brown. Say hey, David. Hey, everybody. That is indeed me. I can verify that that is indeed me. I'm not holding him hostage, if that's what you're wondering. But uh, Yeah. We wanted to make sure that you could verify because, you know, a lot of times people can get taken advantage of. People have their identity stolen. It's actually a verification. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, these days you have no idea what's going down. Oh, yeah, they're watching you. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, so the, uh, hopefully you can hear our voices really well. We're doing this podcast remotely, but essentially today what we're going to be talking about is the concept of Shabbos and how it's being observed now in the Jewish world, in the Orthodox world, because that's what we're both more familiar with, I would suppose. Um, we're, we're both in our homes, so you might just hear stuff now and then I'll, I'll deal with that. Uh, hopefully it'll be fine. Yeah. We might get that on my end also. <laughs> we're we're all gonna have to we're both gonna have to put up with some uh with some stuff and the listeners will probably also Exactly. So David, um I guess a question I, I wanna throw the first question to you. Um it's not like this is such a formal thing, but I'm just curious. What is it about Shabbos uh, about Shabbos to you that has been the most I guess uh what is it about Shabbos that makes it special for you um special i mean it's 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 just a different realm of existence for me i just feel like um when i when i hear that that uh that the the era the era to come whatever whatever we'll call that is yom shikulo shabbos that gets me pumped because i look forward to it all week that's that's like every i feel like during the week you feel like a slave. You're just doing, whether you're doing nothing or everything, you just feel like you're, I don't know. It just doesn't feel, I can't even describe the, 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 the feeling. I don't even know. I'm just rambling, but it's something so different. I guess it's the, is what I'm trying to say the most. It's just a different plane of existence. It's complete. It's almost like you're completely untethered. I feel like from your worldly obligations, you know. It's. It, it's yeah, I mean that's 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 got to be the idea. I hope. 
Yeah, it's it, it's really it's really interesting to me. Like I remember as a, as a kid, I used to always just uh, remember it was Shabbos and like I wouldn't care because I was a kid. I didn't have responsibilities, and yeah. I, I would just want to be on my PlayStation or whatever or my Wii at the time. Yeah, I'm sorry, people. I owned a Wii, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that is, that does that is worthy of an apology. <laughs> uh, but. You know, nowadays when I look at the when, when I look at what Shabbos is, and I look at how sad it is, the people who are really actually grown up people, you know, like much older than I am, already like in their fifties, forties, fifties, sixties, you know, they're just waiting for Shabbos to be over to get back to their stock, like to the stock market, which is closed on the weekend anyway. Like I'm very confused why they're discussing it, but um, uh, I mean, I know that the stock market is something to be very invested in uh, if you are in it, but on Shabbos, it's such an opportunity to me to like, you know, just get, get closer to, I mean, this is going to sound cliched, but I find it very true to get closer to God, to kind of think deeper about things. Mm-hmm. I, I love thinking deeply about things. You know this about me. I, I go crazy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, I've been trying something lately that, you know, for my emotional health, that it's it's really quite euphoric that you know for davening friday night i'm just when i'm I'm sitting by myself in my room because i can't go to show and everything's locked down and um i just like i sit there and i'm, I'm singing and I'm, i feel like i just feel i can't explain it maybe maybe i'm i'm uh i don't know it just it, it just so this feeling comes over me of this overwhelming just joy and I guess just appreciation. I'm just so excited, I think is the word that I would use the most when, when Shabbos is starting. I get really pumped. And, you know, I think a lot of people, when you get close, it's like the end of Shabbos. Naturally, it's not as exciting as it was at the beginning, if at all at the beginning for some people. It's, I think the, the challenge for me is, is maintaining that, like, oh, my gosh, it's Shabbos for, you know, longer than just a couple hours or a couple minutes. Yeah, you know, that's interesting because there's actually a, first of all, I think that's true for everyone who starts appreciating any part of Jewish tradition. Um, I think it's harder to be excited for, I mean, to feel Yom Kippur later on once you're done with that very long in the Elah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, even though it's like the shortest, yeah. the shortest thing of the day, I think uh, it, it's just really hard to be in the zone all the time. Um, and I think that, but that's like a step up, you know, like you start off not even wanting Shabbos to begin with. That's what I feel like, because all you're sold as, you know, when you're a kid, all you're sold it being as, no, I'm going to repeat that. Cause that didn't make sense. All you're sold is that Shabbos is this day of rest, but it's like, yeah, if it's a day of rest the classic question, how come I can't set the TV on? Because that's what we think of when we think of rest. You know, how come like the TV can't be set for like a specific time so I can watch like, I don't know, something with the family. Like, okay, I'll grant you the electricity thing. I'll grant you the electricity, that electricity is not allowed to be used on Shabbos. Fine, but all right, let me set a timer on. You do it for the lights anyway. Why not do it for the TV? So I guess, interestingly enough, I once heard an answer to that, that I didn't think of anything at the time. But the answer that I got to that was, it's not in the spirit of Shabbos which is actually quite a, quite a deep answer now that I think about it. I was given, it was given to me when I was like in the seventh grade, I think. 
you know, that it's not in the spirit of Shabbos to have the TV on, is an interesting statement because essentially what it's saying is, halachically speaking, perhaps it's mamish really mutter to have your TV on on Shabbos. Like perhaps strictly halachically speaking, you know, like law, not spirit wise. And so that's so interesting to me because we have preserved the spirit of Shabbos in this way of not allowing the TVs to be on on Shabbos. So maybe that's a mark of courage for Orthodox Judaism that I didn't give it enough credit for before. Interesting. It's an interesting take on that because I've actually experienced anecdotal evidence that it, it that it, it it's a basically there are a lot of times in the past where I didn't really I, I kept Shabbos simply I guess I guess what you would call through coercion just because I knew that I you know kind of had to I guess I didn't really consider that I couldn't um, at that point and there were times where just you know people I would go to people's houses and they would have a TV on there and I would sit and watch on like fantastic I can get to watch on Shabbos I don't have to do I don't, it's, it's the best of both worlds but um, as time went on and I eventually developed some even even a small amount but some level of appreciation when I would be in those situations I would kind of feel uncomfortable I just felt like this doesn't feel like, I know what Shabbos is supposed to feel like, and I like that feeling, but this is not that. That's not what Shabbos is. And, and this happened as recently as uh, maybe last summer? Was it last summer? I went to a friend's house for Shabbos, and his brother showed up Friday night, and they turned on the TV, and they started to play MLB The Show. I like that game. And I just, I at that point, I didn't feel comfortable watching, but I didn't want to, like, you know, walk away. So I kind of, they're facing the TV and I flip my chair around just to like face them away from the TV. It was just so uncomfortable, you know, because it didn't, that's, that's not Shabbos. I, I, that's that's all, all I can say. Just not. That's actually, that's actually interesting. I, you reminded me that I used to do that also in the, the, the first part of your speech. I used to, not speech or whatever. Uh, okay. <laughs> the first part of what you were saying uh, yeah, in yeah. that, I used to also go to a friend's house, like, you know, who had the TV on because he was more lax. And I mean, I would just tell my parents, I'm going to my friend's house. Like, they don't know he's not religious. They, they might suspect it sometimes, but like, they didn't suspect I would do something like that. And then when I got a glimpse of what Shabbos was, it was such a, it was such like a, a deep connection that I didn't want to, you know, ruin it for anything. Like, we see it even in the, like, throughout, throughout the times of the Torah, the, you see that people have some, attachment to the world to like the obviously people have an attachment to the world you know to the physical world around us because that's what we live in but you see throughout history that people didn't get a taste for what it really feels like to be detached from the world you know because the idea of being detached from the world it it comes off as such a okay bold monk top of the mountain you know i gotta i gotta be just kind of untapped like you know untethered to any physical pleasures but Shabbos is interesting in that you are encouraged to pursue his physical pleasures under the idea that they don't, you're not attached to the world. It's such an, a revolutionary way of thinking. Like it, when you, like in the, uh, like in the times of the Torah, the, you know, there were people, we see that uh, the Jews, uh, a group of Jews had failed in terms of Shabbos observance because they were looking for, like they didn't, 
observed the spirit of the day and they went out to gather some mun. And that was that was bad because that wasn't the spirit of Shabbos. You know, that wasn't what they were supposed to do. They were showing an attachment to the world. And, a, and a, I hate to use this phrase, but I, I, I will use it here and I use it carefully. Um, it was a lack of faith in God. Like this day is, here is your physical, here are your physical, you know, pleasures. Use them in service of something greater. Realize you're not attached to them, but you can elevate them, which is an idea of giving this idea of sanctity to humans. Yeah. That's, that's really the entire, you, you kind of, it's a microcosm of, of the entire religion. That, that's the entire thing is, is, is about elevating physicality. It's not about abstaining from it, which, uh, of, of abstaining the monk who doesn't get married and, and, you know, lives in, in, in a cave somewhere. That's, you know, the Jews that lived in caves did so out of necessity, not out of uh, some kind of moralized aestheticism. But Judaism is about taking, is about the God made an imperfect world. This is uh, an idea that, that uh, I think there's a Gemara where, what's his name? Alexander the Great used to have, uh, some kind of correspondence with maybe Rav Yochan, I'm not sure. And he said he didn't agree. He said, how could it be God could create an imperfect world? If God is perfect, then anything that he creates has to be perfect. But Rabbi Yochanan, or whoever it was, you know, demonstrated that the idea is that if God would have created a perfect world, I mean, there would be really no point. There wouldn't be any, of any interest to him, so to speak. The idea is that God creates a kind of like a, think of it as a video game, where in the video game, you don't, going with the missions all finished, you have to do something. And then at the end, you're like, oh, I actually feel good that I finished that mission. The idea is that we're supposed to perfect the world and through elevating it. And that's and not just be perfect, but achieve perfection. It's, it's interesting. a very lofty goal. We say that every day. We say, Latakin olam b'machos Hashem, you know, we, uh, to, to fix the world with the uh, establish a kingdom of God. And we see this in, uh, in I think it's in uh, Sefer Shmos, where Hashem says that we need to be a Mamlechas Kohanim and a Goy Kadosh, a, a priestly people and a, a holy nation, which is, again, I'm not, this podcast is not making any, uh, uh, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not uh, going into the whole chosen people argument. That's not what we're here for. We're not establishing hierarchies or superiorities. Um, but we're, we're simply preaching the virtues that we see can be found in Judaism. So uh, about Shabbos observance, like you, like you said, it, it's, it, is, uh, it is one aspect of a bigger picture of elevating the physical world. Shabbos does stand out, though, in, in, Jewish, uh, you know, in Jewish belief. It's, it is the, you know, we call somebody who's Jewish, we call them Shomer Shabbos, uh, is somebody who observes the Shabbos. And it's such a powerful thing because we have plenty of traditions with, that are, you know, um, integrated that are uh, filled with laws and filled with customs but the shabbos you know maybe because it's weekly or something the shabbos is always uh, always the staple of a of an observant jew let's put it that way um so i guess it, it's just kind of interesting uh wh- what makes it that way it, uh, i guess what makes it that way is kind of the goal of this episode but um i i find that on shabbos especially you can uplift physicality in such a way there's a, I think it's a Gemara, and you can correct me on this because you know this for sure. 
Um, actually, that's putting a lot of pressure on you. I'm going to keep this in just so people we'll, see that. We'll find out if I know it. We'll see if I know <laughs> There's a Gemara that, I, that says, I believe, um, Roshnir Zalman of Liadi quotes this. Uh, I believe I put it in the notes. Um, I do my research, people. This isn't just simply simply going on about something we have no, <laughs> no idea about. Shnir um, Zalman of Liadi quotes a Gemara that speaks about how Kiddush, when we make Kiddush, uh, the reason people uh, people make Kiddush on wine is because that's what made people happy. That's what made people happy. And he, he quotes a Gemara that says that's why it was we make Kiddush on wine because wine is Yismach Levav Enosh. It's it uplifts people's hearts. So, uh, do you know where that Gemara is, David? <laughs> I don't remember that Gemara. It reminded me of a different Gemara, but but not that one. Well, you 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 heard it here first, people. David Brown does not know all of Gemara by heart. Oh, man. I, I know probably <laughs> two two tractates, but I, I I believe there there is a there is a Mishnah that asks that says that on all fruits of the ground you make a for all fruit all fruits of the tree you make a bari prehaes except for grapes wine because that gives its own bracha. So the Gemara asks why does it get its own bracha? What's special about it? The Gemara goes in a whole discussion about it. Is it because it makes you happy? Is it because it, it makes you satisfied? Does it make you satisfied? Does it make you happy? I don't know. But can you have a meal that's only wine? But eventually, the, 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 what comes out is that yain is gorim bracha la'ashtimo. That yain is something that causes a, a blessing for itself. Because there are times where you don't want to drink a cup of wine. It's not right. like when you make Kiddush, it's not because you wanted to drink a cup of wine. Right. You make Kiddush on wine. Because right. it, it, wine is, is, is a... Is a, is a it's a, it's a fancy, it's a nice thing, it's a way to honor something. And, and this, this, that, this idea you told me that, that it's also because, you know, wine is, is, is that, that, that fits perfectly because the whole idea is we're taking something that we love and we're using it to appreciate God. We say, I love drinking wine. I love, I love it. It's the best. And thank God for making wine. Thank you so much. That's just, it's, it's a two-way street. It's not about giving everything we have to God. Well, that's fantastic, but it's, it's receiving. It's not taking from God. It's receiving it and appreciating. That's what brings us closer to God. Yes, very true. I, I, like, that. I like that observation. It's interesting also because uh, uh, you see, to me, Shabbos is this, it's this admitting to people, you know, on God's part, it's admitting to people that he understands that we're human and not perfect. Because it's an under you, God understands that you cannot constantly be involved in gratification and appreciation. You know, you do have to be a monk for that, and it's it's complete seclusion from the world. That's why we have this whole idea that uh, I think Rashi says this. Uh, Rashi, for those who don't know, is an 11th century Jewish French philo- um, biblical exegetist. I think it's called but he is like the forefather of commentary on the Torah. And he said that the seventh day was a, cre- was a day of creation just as much as the other six days. What did God create on the seventh day? He created the concept of rest. So the concept of rest essentially, and you can expound on that idea with uh, the Orachayim, I think, uh, who, it's, by the way, I'm not like a genius in this stuff. I only remember this because I just did the research. I usually do not know things this well. But uh, the Orachayim was... Uh, <laughs> 17th century some some Jewish biblical exegetist, exegetist I forgot exactly 
17th century. I don't know when he was, but um, regardless, he expounded on this and he said that not only is creation, the idea of creation, sorry, the idea of rest, another creation to the six days, not only that, but the idea of rest isn't just to recharge your batteries. It's the idea of permanence. It's been established in the world that you can save something now for later because of Shabbos. Because think about it, if the world was set up without a rest day, without this idea of a rest day for anyone, you would constantly be involved in work and you'd barely have the understanding that you can save things for later or appreciate things now because you're constantly focusing on making sure you have something you know, for, for the present. I guess that's how you, you would describe his ideology. And I, I think that's brilliant. Um, but I guess we, we've kind of veered either very into the topic or very off topic because we, we were discussing uh, what makes Shabbos special. And all these ideas are true. I think they all make Shabbos special, undoubtedly. Um, but do you remember, uh, you were in Israel for how many years after high school? Five. Five. five years, five years, man. Oh, five, five and counting. <laughs> so many people on the podcast either just called you like a, a lazy good for nothing because you didn't go to college right away, or they're so envious of you for like I am for being in Israel for five years. <laughs> well, to the second people, I would say, well, you should go. And to the first of the people, I would say uh, that I'm just a few months away from getting my de- my, my degree. So. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I just I just had my transcripts uh, sent in the other day. I'm just finishing up one more course and I should have my degree. So. Okay. So there you so have it. all those who, who say that you can't go to Yeshiva because you need to get a degree, I would say. Nada. Whatever the word is. Uh, okay. So going on, um, I feel like to me there was in the notes something that spoke to me so powerfully was the prophet Hosea when he spoke about God. Now, the prophet Hosea lived around the times, um, it was much. It was a couple of generations after David HaMelech when the Beis HaMikdash was still around. And he said something so beautiful. I think uh, he was one of the first, one of the first prophets, but he essentially said, I'll bring it up right now. Uh, okay, so he connects two things. He says something very interesting. He says, um, Hosea says that if we treat God as our master only, then essentially, then God will take away our Sabbaths and our festivals. And it's so interesting that he picks those two things um, because Shabbat is essentially our covenant with God. It's what makes us, it's what kept us uh, together for all this time. It's called Brit Olam. It's the everlasting covenant. And like you said, one day we'll enter a world that is hopefully, you know, hopefully that's cool Shabbat. That's all about, that's all Sabbath, all Shabbos. Um, and he says that only when we look totally God as our husband, our partner in life, if you prefer that, um, it's 2020, you know, but uh, as our partner in life, then we will then we will rejoice in God. And I believe that's a tie into what Isaiah said, which is that if on Shabbat you cease from doing your work, if you cease from pursuing the um, the wealth and the physicality of the world in in a means to gain more materialism, then you will rejoice in God. So I guess that this this episode might be in a sense futile, but it might be in a sense very revelatory. I don't know if that's a word, but re- very revealing is what I wanted to say. But I had to sound like a smart, <clears throat> you know, uh, right? <laughs> you get it. Uh, <laughs> but um, essentially, uh, I'm gonna finish on this because I've been talking for way too long. But uh, the 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 idea is that there, what makes Shabbos 
good for the congregation is that there are a set of laws that keep us tied together. And I guess the personal responsibility, the interesting part is the personal responsibility of Shabbos doesn't actually come in with the law. I think the personal responsibility of Shabbos comes with gaining some of the spirit, you know, kind of getting some of those spiritual particles to borrow a phrase from the Ramban about Shabbos to gain Shabbos's spirituality in our own light. Uh, for example, Rav Noah Weinberg, his one thing on Shabbos was he would always meditate before davening. This is what I heard from a student of his. That Rav Noah Weinberg would always meditate before davening on Shabbos. That was his thing. And uh, one more example, I had a rabbi in Israel. I'm not going to say his name because I didn't get him to consent to this, but uh, uh, I mean, I didn't ask him. But essentially, he told, like, w- when I went to his house for Shabbos, he has a minhag that by Eshes Chayel, he, uh, you know, when, we, uh, when we're making the Kiddush and uh, there's the song about uh, the, the, how we compare Shabbos or Hashem to our wife, a wife of valor. But what he does is he, he kind of takes the two head seats of the table, um, you know, like on each opposite end. He takes them like uh, across the room and um, he sits them opposite each other with nothing in between. And him and his wife are sitting on each of the, tab- on each of the chairs. I said head tables, didn't I? Anyways, um, on each of the chairs. And he's looking at her in the eyes and he's just singing, uh, you know, Aisha Schail to her in like a very, in like the, with an expression of love, which is very intense to see, like very intense to see. Yeah. It's uh, it, like some that's people, when I, yeah, when I told some people about this, they were like, that's kind of weird, bro. I thought it was. I would be very, uncom- I would be very uncomfortable. I, I appreciate the idea, but to be there, I'd be uncomfortable. Right. So to me, it was like, you know, this is my Rebbe. So I, like, I was very close with him and, um, uh, so he was he like I guess he was more okay with it, but um, and I guess it wasn't like weird for me. But that's the idea, and um, uh, yeah, I guess uh, what's something that you like it's personal for you. Uh, you said that something that's personal for you on Shabbos that gets you uh, very into a zone is when you sing. When you know when uh, that was him cracking his knuckles. By the way, when you when you sing and you get into a zone. <laughs> oh wait! Oh, there it is. Okay. So have you, do you remember seeing anything on Shabbos, like a minhag that you really liked that you think people can perhaps apply maybe even to themselves? That... But I don't think anybody needs a minhag, you know, for Shabbos. I don't think you need anything special, anything extra. Uh, I think you just need to just do it, you know, the regular, like you said, it's a set of laws that keep us tied together. It, it, my brother asked this question at the Shabbos table a few weeks ago. Like, why don't we, if the whole idea is just of rest, then, like, let each person determine what is rest for himself and let them have their own set of laws. And, you know, for some people, rest is one thing. Some people, rest is another. And it's perfectly, it makes sense to say something like that. But what you said was the same answer that my father gave, that if everybody were to make their own set of rules, we wouldn't be keeping Shabbos. We'd all be keeping our own Shabbos. Part of Shabbos is, 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 it's not about isolating. It's about connecting, connecting with, with, with God, connecting with your family, connecting with every other Jew across the world that's keeping Shabbos. You know, the most tragic thing is that you know, the vast majority of Jews do not keep Shabbos. The vast majority, probably what, 80%, 90%, some crazy number like that. And it, it's, that's that's the thing that nobody talks about. That's the thing that that you know for me is if I could like change something 
I don't know how anybody could change something like that because I think in America, statistically, Jews are the most, not in America, in the entire world, Jews are the most irreligious people of all people. Even, oh, you're right. You're right. I remember hearing that. I don't know where this is and I'm not going to source it because this is just our speculation for all we know. But uh, (laughs) I I just, I don't know where I'm going to find this. But um, I think that you're right in that it's, it is, it's a very unfortunate, it's one of the most unfortunate things that Shabbos observance is not as high as it should be. But I think that to limit Shabbos observance to just the law, and again, I'm not saying that we should abolish the law. This is not like some kind of reform I'm not saying to reform Shabbos in its essence into, you know, into getting uh, into abolishing the law. I'm saying, yes, introduce the law and, you know, keep it, uh, keep it a set thing that people need to follow, which is what we do, but also introduce ideas, which is, I guess what we're trying to do here, introduce ideas into how to make Shabbos observance better. Because I think we both know that for like for most, even for most observant Shabbos Jews, Shabbos really becomes a matter of toughing it out for 25 hours after a certain point, like, you know, we might start out, like, like you said, we, we might start out really excited and everything. Um, and, you know, but then like comes after, after uh, second Suda and like, that's when it gets really hard. Like, you know, after second Suda, like when it's, it's the hardest part, like, you know, cause there's shallow shudas, but it's not like as big a thing. Like the third meal is not the big, th- it's not a big thing. Um, so personally, my thing is I had to struggle for this because there were, there are a bunch of lectures, you know, right near me and, I went to each one of them and I'm sorry. Like, I, I think, you know, this, every rabbi is spewing the exact same spiel. Like, I think this is a thing that's a bit problematic. It's like the spiel I've heard a thousand times, something about this Parsha, but, and it's like on the first words of the Parsha, always, there's never something that goes beyond the first chapter. Uh, <laughs> what? It's just it's that when you hear the things that start with the first words of the Parsha, a lot of, sometimes it's legit. A lot of times it's just, kind of lazy exactly so i actually go to this um i actually go to a lecture i found somebody who you know who does an amazing lecture on uh every shabbos night and we, we basically like we go through a safer not me and him like he teaches a class of like 12 guys 12 people and they go through a safer on the torah each year and like through the whole portion not like just through the beginning um and so it's like a two two and a half hour thing it's very intense but I love it because it, it deepens your connection to this, you know, to the weekly Torah portion. And like, I think everybody needs to be aware that there are ways beyond the law to get closer to, to get closer to God. You know, it's not just, yes, you know, doing these things and abstaining from electricity on Shabbos is the first step. You know, these are all the first step things. And that might be kind of difficult to hear, I guess, because to hear that doing all these complicated laws and traditions on Shabbos is the first step is very difficult because that's a lot already. Um, but the, but the thing is that once you get into that groove or like, you know, you start keeping something like a little thing on Shabbos, you know, even to light candles, you already have a feeling that today is important somehow. And then you, if you start incorporating into that, your own ways of connecting to the day, like, let's say I used to read, um, uh, I used to read a book that was all about the creation of the world because as the Rambam suggests, and as interestingly enough, uh, people before him do as well, and I did not realize, he suggests that you learn about the creation of the world so that you deepen your connection to the world and its creation, which is essentially, it's detachment from distraction, but it's attachment to appreciation. I think I just coined a great phrase there, and I'm copywriting, I'm trademarking that right now. 
you say that again, please? Just that last line. I said it's detachment from. Oh, I forgot it. I have to look back in the recording now. Oh, uh, stinks. It sounded really nice. <laughs> uh, it's detachment from something and attachment to appreciation. Detachment from. from um... yeah, you see, this is the problem. But uh, yeah, and I guess that's. I, I just find it interesting that like all the sages, what they did. Uh, sages, I'm using because I really don't like using the term rabbi nowadays because I think I. There are good, like, okay, I'm going to say this once, and every time I say this, there are great rabbis in the world now. There always probably will be great rabbis. But there are way too many rabbis right now for me to say the word rabbi, and it has some kind of, you know, goosebump effect. Like, you know, if I say sage, it, it brings up a different, it brings up a different... Uh, Fair enough, yeah. So, Pretty uh, much anybody pre-20th century. Exactly. That's exactly right. Not to, denig- not to denigrate anybody in the 20th century, but there's just a little, it's a little bit more dilute. Exactly. A lot more dilute. Right. Like just because you got a degree, you know, after a four-year university and uh, exactly. You know, like I don't, I don't. It's it's not that it's having not a that bachelor's that's... degree in the 90s versus having a bachelor's degree in 2020. That's the difference. <laughs> exactly. And there's like, it's funny because I think. Uh, be, uh, you know, base Shammai, base Hillel. We know that the Gemara says we always, we more often than not, it's accepted that we follow base Hillel, and the reason for that is because base Hillel always let base Shammai speak first. So this is like a real interesting look into uh, in, into Jewish ideology because it's not that base Hillel was necessarily smarter or had more knowledge. That wasn't what they were saying. What they were saying is they were they as people they let others speak first. And like, that was a character trait that kind of put them over the top. They had that humility. And it, it's very interesting. Like right nowadays, like just cause you know more Torah than another rabbi, I probably won't respect you unless you've proven yourself as a good person. Like, you know, I think th- that's just, I, I don't believe the title rabbi comes with that. Oh, you know, you have to respect me now. Like, I think that that ability has been lost. That responsibility has gone from the people. Like, uh, why am I getting into this? It's about Shabbos right now. <laughs> Because that's where you naturally tend to go, but you're not saying anything that's untrue. And uh, so, yeah, just an example. Even like Philo, who's not considered a sage by I Jewish like Philo a lot. I love Philo, man. He's he's just he's. I great. think he's fantastic. But he says something that, like you know, on Shabbos. The reason, by the way, there's a reason that people that he doesn't have any credibility is because he's from the Egyptian Jewish community, which was known for its idolatry. Right. Also, I'm assuming that he was, uh, the way that he viewed Greek translations of the Torah were a bit problematic. Um, he, he was way too for yeah. them. And, and he was too Modox for that time. <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. But uh, that's what I heard. But even so, I think that his ideas are profound. Um, yeah. In the sense that I, I think I wrote this in the notes. I'm like, I even all caps that I believe, but I wrote that he just yeah, said yeah. like, all right, like you have like on Shabbos. His thing was that men of valor on Shabbos. What they do is they reflect on, did they use their spirit for good during the week or did they mess up somehow? And like they kind of used Shabbos as a day of reflection, which is very rarely done. Like I, I've, I've tried to do it. It's very hard, but it's rewarding as all heck. Like uh, I'm gonna edit that out because I can't say heck on the podcast probably. No, I'm sure you can. <laughs> I don't know if uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've ever done that. That sounds amazing. I'd love to. I don't know if I have the discipline to make Shabbos. For me, Shabbos is all about just 
I, I'm just about enjoying it. For me, reflecting that, I mean, I, I'm just lazy. That doesn't sound enjoyable. Enjoyable to me. You know, I, 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 get, I print out, you know, different Torah that I like, that I want to read, or I'll get a safer, or I'll, and I'll get a whole bunch of delicious food that I just, I, all week I'm going to the store and I see something nice. I want to grab it, save it for Shabbos. I want to just absolutely stuff my face. And before I start, I try to remind myself, like, hey, it's not about the food. It's not about, you know, it's about God. And I forget two seconds and I was wolfing the food down my throat. I'm trying to do it for a little bit, just another minute longer every week to try and stay connected without getting so, because we're naturally conditioned at this point to become kind of like when we're enjoying something, we just like, we go all in and we're consumed by it. We don't like think, hmm. Well, I appreciate the cook who made this and the fisherman who caught the fish or whatever. You're not thinking about that. You're thinking about putting more of it in your stomach. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's it's just, um, it, it's, enjoying Shabbos is just a matter of awareness and appreciating it. And, and first, understanding what exactly it is you're appreciating. The more you understand, the easier it is to appreciate. Exactly. And um, I think that we've pretty much covered what we wanted to cover. I think that Unless you want to say something else, because I, I figured I'd bring this up at some point, even though I guess it never really naturally came up a conversation. But until now, I, <laughs> until now, there are times where keeping Shabbos is really difficult because you're not around others that are keeping Shabbos. It's very easy when you're around a whole big group of friends. We're all keeping Shabbos together. We're all doing the same schedule, and everything's great. It's, it, it's not difficult at all. I worked at one point in a, uh, what do you call it, hat residence. I would basically, it's a, a special needs facility. And there were Jewish kids, and some of them were not kids, some of them were adults in their 30s and 40s, even up into the 70s. And it was just absolutely wild, like the, what you had to do over there. But I did a Shabbos. I would work. I, I don't want to say work, but I was, you know, supervising them over Shabbos. And I was there with a group of friends that I wasn't. It was friends from my childhood, and I quickly discovered that I was the only one in the house keeping Shabbos. Wow. And I continued to. I was there for. I, I did probably two months there, maybe like eight shab eight Shabbosim, where I sat at this dining room table by myself, scraped some Windex on it so, you know, I didn't have someone's drool, uh, would, would make, would make Kiddush on, on, on the cup of beer because I didn't have wine. And I would go out right before Shabbos and buy a challah and some herring and I would just sit there by myself and I would like, try to learn a chumash or, or, or the rambam. And it was very, just really depressing. Some of the loneliest times in my life. And it would be much easier if it wasn't Shabbos then because then I could distract myself I could go on on my phone I could watch TV or just something to make the time pass which is what everyone else was doing there because it wasn't really fun but that's I guess for me the, what the time that I felt comforted the most by Shabbos that it was like at least I, I have you know that this is a special time yeah I'm, I'm stuck by myself and no one else is joining me, and it just doesn't feel enjoyable at all in, 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 in terms of a, you know, the normal way we're used to enjoying Shabbos. But I guess it's, um, 
idea is that when you're around other people who are not doing it, that it's a really you have to be aware that it's a it's, it's a challenge. And uh, for a lot of people, that's the biggest challenge that prevents them from starting to keep Shabbos when they want to. Their family doesn't want to do it. That's a very good point. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that we've uh, I've kind of delved more into the virtues of Shabbos rather than uh, tackle some of the tackle some of the hard parts. And uh, yeah, if you don't have that appreciation of Shabbos and you get in those tough situations, it's difficult. I mean, there was times in the past when I was like post high school, like the first year out of high school, and I went to a friend. I was the guy invited me to his yeshiva for for Shabbos. It was the yeshiva and it turns out there was just me and him and one other guy. Nobody was there with their yeshiva. And they're just like, the Shabbos, and they're watching movies and they're laughing up. And I just, I didn't have the conviction at that point. I didn't have the appreciation. So when it got tough for me, I was just like, okay, I guess I'm going to do that too. Because I had no appreciation. So you're not going to be able to withstand that just painful boredom that you can sometimes have. Wow. That's that's difficult. And, you know, I may, I may never have been... I guess um, I've never been around a place where my conviction was tested to such an extent post high school. Um, but I guess that my main, uh, a, a parallel I can draw to that type of suffering on Shabbos is honestly being back from Israel. My favorite part of Shabbos in Israel was minyanim. Like, honestly, I can't believe I'm saying this now, but I loved praying with people on Shabbos. There was just, you remember that, that singing, oh man. That singing was mm-hmm. next level. It, it, and like nowadays you go here, where's the singing? Like what, what are these tunes? Everyone sings like the same monotone lechadodi here. Like, come on. You know what I mean? It's crazy. You got to get out of Queens, my friend. You got to get out of New York. The, the death, the death of, of, I don't want to say, of the death. Just, there's a certain monotony to all of religious life in the, in the tri-state area because the people are it's just, I don't know. I just feel like, so nobody takes this the wrong way. I just feel like, Overall, you get like um, less awesome people in the New York <laughs> area than you do in other places. So, with less awesome people, you get less awesome experiences. I would say that um, it's more about your a, a, a community, particular community, than it is about you know. Uh, there's nothing wrong with Shabbos. That there's nothing wrong with the davening. That the people are are talking or or not attending or whatever it is. It's not the davening that's the problem. It, you know, in each individual community, you have specific problems and specific uh, merits. And, you know, as the Chavitz Chaim always said, you know, before you, everybody wants to change the world. First, you have to change your, you, you say, first, I have to change my country. Before you change your country, you have to change your state. Before you change your state, you have to change your city. Basically, you can't change the world, unless you first change yourself and the people around you and your community, the change in the world is only done by people who do it by accident. I hope that's true. It sounds good. It sounds and very good. It's probably not very much not true, but I think part of what I say is true. Um, I think I'll actually, I think that's a point that we can actually reserve for another podcast episode that I was thinking about, but um because I think we can really expand on that idea of first changing yourself and then, you know, going out from there. Um, I think that it's actually relevant to all of Tanakh and you see it through, you see it through the struggles uh, Avram Avinu went through. You see it through Yehuda and uh, how he was at his lowest point by the caves of Adullam. And then you see that his resurgence actually starts with Davar HaMelech at the caves of Adullam. It's, it's crazy stuff. 
whatever. Well, that's not the point of this. It's a bit more, uh, but that's a very good point. And um, I think that mainly what, what's, what's to get out of this, what we, uh, what we had our whole, whole conversation about for the past, um, I don't know how long we were talking for because the time kind of flew for me. Um, like 40 minutes, half an hour, something like that. And we hope it flew for you, our listeners, but <laughs> um, I mean, like we do, obviously, that wasn't a, uh, it's just something I have to say. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, essentially, I just kind of, um, I think what I want to get away, get out of this episode, I think what I, I did for sure out of actually this episode was I got an understanding that. Yeah, Shabbos comes with some hard times, and it's it's definitely a burden to bear, but it's also one it's also one of the most freeing burdens to bear because sometimes your burdens are what let you free. Like you know, it's it's sometimes the burden of going to oh my god, I'm gonna use that cliche example. I'm gonna do it, guys. I'm I'm doing it, and I'm warning you. Sometimes like the burden of going to the gym is what sets you free for the rest of the day. Because yeah, it's hard to get up. Like let's say you go first thing in the morning. It's hard to get up at five in the mor- in the morning and go to the gym. But knowing that you did that, that sets you for the day. Like you know, like it definitely happened for me that that set me for the day. And is uh, I think of a Shabbos, it sets you for the it sets you for a whole different week when you have a good Shabbos. Like you know, like that's 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 true for me at least. Yeah. Like, when I have a good Shabbos, man, my Motzah Shabbos is first of all phenomenal always but my week is also just different. Like when I have a bad Shabbos, I feel it throughout the week. Mm-hmm. Hey, I don't, I don't, I don't, um, I don't find as much myself that I'm aware of the carryover. If there is, I know that, that it exists. I've heard I, I, the concept is true. I just haven't experienced it yet, but uh, hopefully soon. Hopefully, hopefully, man. Um, I, uh, we both, I hope at least, uh, David can, David can chime in right after this or he can chime in now, but, uh, I hope that, um, we set something throughout the course of this podcast to elevate your Shabbos on however small a scale possible, um, because that's worth it. And I think that we both want the way we feel on Shabbos, you know, on the good Shabbos. And I think we both want to share that with the world. And I think that that's, uh, uh, I think that that's important uh, that people should know that they're it's worth it to have this experience. It's amazing and it's indescribable, really. Uh, yeah. It's um, it's definitely a a blessing that I think is taken for taken for granted and taken with a certain a certain distaste because of all that it requires. But sometimes the greatest blessing requires the hardest suffering. I guess if you want to say it that way. I think I think uh, that sometimes that that can be the case, and for the vast majority of the times, it's not my experience in Shabbos, but sometimes it is, and that's the it's the good times that that kind of get you pushed through the bad times. Very true. The, yeah, that that remembering what it was like. All right, David, thank you so much for. Uh, uh, I think I said this in the beginning, but we're we're doing this uh, remotely. We're uh, we're co-hosting remotely, so. Uh, David agreed to come on at this time. Very nice. Thank you so much, David. And uh, thank you, David. Hi. Oh, okay. We're we're doing that game now. All right, fine. Uh, yeah. So, uh, thank you so much for coming on, David. And um, hope to speak with you again soon. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I had a great time. The refreshments were delicious. <laughs>
I'll, I'll send over something on Uber Eats next time. Hmm. I like that. <laughs> All right. See ya.